0: You know no soup for you! Come back. One year.
1: Yeah, we both have so much
0: in common. We both love soup.
1: Soup's not a meal! You're supposed to buy me a meal. I'm not stopping you from eating. Go ahead and eat. Get anything you want.
0: That's a lot of soup. That's a lot of soup. And looks delicious.
2: What's up, everybody? It is Friday, February 11th. Super Bowl 56 is upon us. We got a whole preview coming your way. But first, we're going to hit on the biggest news of the day. Huge news for me. The Philadelphia 76ers have landed James Harden. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him.
3: So are you hanging the
2: championship banner now or? I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself, but... My immediate thoughts on this trade, I love Seth Curry. He was probably, besides Embiid, my favorite player on the team. He is awesome. He's really fun to watch. He's a great personality. He's a really good dude. Seth Curry's brother, or Steph Curry's brother, excuse me. Sad to see him go, but this trade's highway robbery. I mean, we're giving them Andre Drummond, who was on a one-year deal. Ben Simmons, who literally cannot play basketball. And Seth Curry and two first-round picks. They mean absolutely nothing because our team is good and you're going to be drafting past 20 and we're getting an MVP. Whether you think Harden's having a great year this year or not, he's not having his best year, but he's still a top 10 player in the league. You're putting him with the front runner for MVP right now in Joel Embiid, Paul Millsap, not playing too great, but a veteran that you could bring in locker room guy, maybe hit some mid range jumpers for you, spread the floor a little bit spell Tobias Harris when he gets tired or plays bad. It's a great trade for the Sixers. Um, This is the end of the Nets. I saw that Kyrie, Durant, and Harden only appeared in the same game 16 times. That is absolutely wild. Uh, They failed. They will fail continually with Ben Simmons because I do not think he will ever produce uh, into a star. And the Sixers are back. I was saying it all year when we were talking about these trades on past podcasts and what could happen. They're one guy short. Who could they get? I said it last podcast. I didn't think Harden was going to happen. Brooklyn saying it wasn't going to happen, but they kept Maxi, They kept Thibault, and they added James Harden and, you know, they lose Seth Curry, which sucks, but Harden can just hop right into that two guard spot where Seth was playing and produce the same. Um, it's really awesome. Uh, I'm really stoked about it.
3: Yeah, I like Seth. Um, yeah, I, I don't really watch Sixers basketball that much, but I, I like Seth Curry. He was always a lethal shooter. A lot of people said he was, you know, maybe better than Steph. I don't know. That's, a, that's an argument. But it's hilarious to me. Like, first off, these 2027 20, first-round picks, like picks that are five years away, that's, that'll always be hilarious. But James Harden, like, He's not really a young guy. I mean, he's not too old either. But uh, basically, you gave up all that stuff for him. I know you said it was highway robbery, but the fact that that guy is still worth, like, Ben Simmons, a former number one overall pick, Seth Curry, good, and then two more first-round picks, like, that just shows how prolific James Harden is. And I'm excited to see what what the Sixers can do with him.
2: Yeah, he hasn't been as good this year. I mean, that's the narrative going around. It's not wrong, but he's also in a pretty crappy situation in Brooklyn with no help around him. He's going to get to run pick and roll with Embiid. He's not going to have to run the point all the time. He can kind of play more of the two guard, focus on scoring. And I think it's a perfect fit. We were talking about Bradley Beal being the ideal fit, and I still do kind of think that because they could have given up less to get him, but now he's hurt, so he wasn't an option. And Maury really wanted Harden, and I'm going to be honest. I trust Maury. I really do. Until he's proven otherwise, I trust him to make the right moves. I think we have a great structure in place, and I'm really excited to see what the future holds for the Sixers. Is Daryl Morey the guy? He was in Houston, right? Yeah, he was the Rockets GM when they traded for Harden the first time from OKC. Um, Gave Harden the keys to the, the convertible, so to speak, and let him run wild is the point that three and D guys coming in around him, put shooters around him, shoot a ton of threes. That was his strategy. This team has been built a little bit differently, but I'm still really confident in his team building ability. I, the team's pretty deep. Even with losing Seth and, and Andre Drummond, There's still a pretty deep team. And now they have two certifiable superstars. Tobias can take a step back, not asked to do as much and be a real complimentary player. Harden also picked up next year's option his player option so we at least have him this year and next year and I like that flexibility because if his production really dips and his age really shows and he starts hitting the strip clubs hard again they have an opportunity to just not bring him back after the end of next season so I think it's a perfect move for the Sixers and helps them capitalize on Embiid during his uh prime window right here
3: no doubt no doubt last thing I'll 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 add is the only Sixers game I've been to is 2016 or 2017. Harden dropped 50 in, uh, in uh, whatchamacallit, what's the stadium? The Sixers? Wells Fargo Arena. Center. Yeah, yeah, he dropped 50 in Wells Fargo. So, you know, it was against the Sixers, but maybe juju to the game and, and to the Sixers.
2: Yeah, and at the least, it's going to bring juice to Wells Fargo. Um th- Wells Fargo's always rocking. Don't get me wrong. I have been to a couple games this year and it hasn't been the same. I think the Simmons thing really took a lot of air out of the fan base and really put a skeptical look on it. But now we have a top 10 player in the NBA to pair with a top five player in the NBA and they have a legitimate shot to win the title. The East is wide open right now. Yes, Milwaukee's hurt and they're going to be better. But Brooklyn's punted on the season now. Like Kyrie can only play half the games. We'll see what happens come playoff time. But they're not contenders anymore. I, I don't know what to make of Miami. They look pretty good. But our roster is better than their roster right now. And, you know, they can beat Cleveland. I think they can beat some of the other teams at the top of the East. Uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens moving forward.
3: <laughs> Last thing I'll say. Yeah. It's funny how trust the process has now just come into, like, I don't know. It, it kind of wor- it did work, but then they lost to Kawhi. But now it's just like, all
2: right, let's just start moving some picks. Let's deal in free agency. Let's deal in trading. We're so far removed from the process at this point. I mean, it failed. And it didn't fail because Henke's plan was wrong. I'll stand by that. It failed because they, they didn't let Henke finish his vision. They brought in Colangelo, who just did the opposite of everything they were trying to do, and traded up and got Markel Fultz. And you know what? That didn't work. And yeah, not every pick hit that Hinky had. I mean, Okafor was not a good pick. In retrospect, Ben Simmons, I, it got them hardened, so I'm still fine with the pick. It was, it was good enough, but he didn't do as much as we thought he was going to do as a first overall pick. But listen, if the road was always going to lead to an Embiid-Harden combo, I'm totally okay with the entire process. And I was saying this tonight, even if they only win one championship, I'm cool if they mortgage the whole future and they're bad for 20 years. All I want is one championship. That's all I care about. Like it would be cool to be competitive forever. That's not realistic. If they win one NBA championship, I've never seen them do that. This is my favorite professional sports franchise. That's enough for me. So I think this is moving them closer, if not on the verge of doing that this season. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, Some other news and notes from NBA trade trade deadline day. The Celtics uh, dealt Dennis Schroeder to the Rockets. Nothing, you know, super big news there. Um, I don't really think it's that big of a deal. The Boston got Daniel Tice back. Cool, who cares? Uh, I love in the trade report on on NBA.com. It says Houston gets Dennis Schroeder, Bruno Fernando, and Ennis Freedom. Shout out, Matt Madden. I had to look at that three times to figure out who Ennis Freedom was. I realized it was Ennis Cantor because uh, he changed his name. So, absolutely hilarious move. The Mavericks uh, shipped out Christophs Porzingis and a second round pick for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Berton's. Dinwiddie's a nice player. Bertans signed for a ton of money there and hasn't been very productive shooting threes since he got there. Interested to see how he does in Dallas. Seems like a fine fit with what they have, seems like the right move for Dallas. I mean, the Hornets got Montrez Harrell. Who cares? Um, Indiana Pacers send Demontis Sabonis to the Sacramento Kings for Tyrese Halliburton. I don't, I don't like this trade. I mean, I think Demontis Sabonis is a better player right now than Tyrese Halliburton. But Tyrese Halliburton showed flashes where he could be a really good NBA player, and he's a point guard, which is really how you want to build your team. I think it's a great trade for the Pacers. Again, I think Sabonis is a great player. I don't really see how it fits in with what the Kings are trying to do. Um, they also traded Marvin Bagley, which makes sense, but he wasn't playing that much anyway. And Sabonis will be a good player for them, but I, I don't know why you wouldn't keep Halliburton, even if you have uh, De'Aaron Fox, who's clearly their point guard of the future. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think it's a steal for the Pacers. I think we'll look at this trade in five years and really consider how much of a steal it truly was. Um, And then the last trade we had, the New Orleans Pelicans acquired CJ McCollum for the Portland Trail Blazers. Uh, The Pelicans sent out Josh Hart, uh, Tomas Sadoransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and some guy I've never heard of. It's a non-starter deal for both sides, I think. I like CJ McCollum. The Pelicans aren't going anywhere. Zion's never going to play another game for them. I'm calling that now. The Blazers they got some good pieces like Josh Hart's fine. Satoransky's fine. Nikhil Alexander Walker's fine. He might actually develop into a solid, uh, swing player, but we'll, we'll really see how it plays out down the road. This is kind of a meh trade for me. I didn't really see the appeal in it.
3: Yeah. I've really no comment. It just pisses me off that the wizard's, Bradley Beal just went out. I know that's not the topic we're on right now, but just looking at how the Wizards were just such a lock to make the playoffs, and now they're just sliding pisses me off, but keep going.
2: Yeah, they're rebuilding dog. I I mean, I don't know, though, because Chris Stapp's coming in. If they had Bradley Beal the rest of the season, they'd have a chance, but I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. Um, Maybe getting Porzingis convinces Beal that he can be there after this season, but him shutting it down seems really, really suspicious to me. But all things considered, pretty crazy NBA trade deadline. Um, Harden gets shipped out. The Sabonis trade yesterday, the McCollum trade yesterday, Porzingis trade today, which I don't think anyone saw coming. So, yeah, it was, it was a good day in the NBA. Pretty interesting stuff.
3: righty. Transitioning over to college basketball. I know we haven't covered it a lot on the show, but – March is right around the corner, guys. You know, coming up on almost halfway through February. So get your minds, get your sleep schedule, get your, your drinking, your eating. Get, get all that in shape right now because March Madness is right around the It's the last A ton of upsets. So who – they were unranked, but they've been a good team all year. They beat number one, Auburn. Rutgers last night beat number 16, Ohio State. Oklahoma beat number nine, Texas Tech. And SMU beat number six, Houston. Shout
2: out the American. Absolutely.
3: So what are we seeing here? I mean, we know in college basketball, for the most part, anyone can beat anyone on any given day. Um, Rutgers was at home playing Ohio State, but, you know, this might be the two weeks before the tournament lull, um, you know, the, the season has really been going on since, like, November, December. So, these, these boys have been, have been playing a lot of basketball. Um, why did all of these top teams get upset? It might be just because of the timing, but, you know, it's something to keep in mind. It's, some of the best parts about March Madness are that teams do upset and you have Cinderella stories. So I'm not saying any of these teams will necessarily be a Cinderella story, but keep this in mind when you're, when you're making picks, you know, I I think Duke is, is a pretty good team this year. So they might not have one of their patented 15 versus two loss in the first round, but um, it'll be interesting. And it, it got me really excited for, uh, for March Madness um, and the weeks ahead.
2: I want to shout out one college basketball game I watched over the weekend. I believe it was on Friday. Um, Wisconsin-Penn State, halftime score. You want to guess what it was?
3: Oh, I heard this. I know it was low as shit, I think. like
2: fucking- 18 to 13, dude. <laughs> 18 to 13 at half. That's Big Ten basketball. Um, Full disclosure, I watch two college basketball teams. I watch almost every Temple game if I can stomach it. And I try and watch every Penn State game as well. And that game was so bad. Penn State's not even the worst team I've ever seen this year. They're middling around 500. They're not going to make the tournament or anything like that. But Wisconsin's pretty good. They're ranked, I think they were ranked 11 going into that game. They looked fucking horrible, dude. Like neither team could hit a basket. Dudes were missing open layups. It was wild to watch. I've never seen a first half that bad uh, until that Brooklyn Celtics game the other night. That was twenty eight to three to start the game. But you know, for college, eighteen to thirteen. I mean, that's on par for Wisconsin, but still crazy. Dude, it's
3: <laughs> the fact that you said I watched Penn State and Temple basketball. I mean. It's the cream of the crop if you're going to watch any teams, right?
2: Yeah, man. I really hate my life. So Temple basketball is perfect. Um, Love Coach Aaron McKee. Do not get me wrong. But the Temple basketball program is an absolute dumpster fire. Sixth winningest program in the history of college basketball. Shout out John Chaney. The legend. Um, We're really far removed from that at this point, dog.
3: Yeah.
2: I don't know how you fix it, especially with the Big Ten I'm looking
3: at it right now. Big 10 has five teams that are ranked. Yeah, they're sick and, this year. I mean, Michigan could be a bubble team. Rutgers might be a bubble team. Like, Iowa last year was incredible. Like, if you look at this, fucking Northwestern, which is like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 teams down in the Big 10, they're above 500. Like, God, the Big 10 is just so stacked. Um, yeah. I mean, a, a, a ton of conferences. Like, a lot of teams – kind of what i alluded to in the beginning of this segment a lot of teams are just beating each other like there's there's a lot of chaos this year um god the tournament's gonna be so fun i can't wait for those those episodes
2: i will say i have an early they're not really a sleeper but kind of a sleeper team texas they got chris beard to be their head coach they're 18 and 6 they've kind of turned it around But, yeah, just looking at the rankings, all the blue bloods are there. We got Gonzaga, Arizona, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, UCLA, Michigan State's there at 17. It it looks like we're we're shaking up for a good March Madness, which leads me into some news on March Madness. We are going to do an open March Madness bracket for all of our listeners and all of Good Soup. When that happens, I will make sure we talk about it on the pod. We'll promote it on the Instagram. If you don't follow us, good underscore soup underscore blog, check it out. Um, We'll post it on all our socials and on the website so you guys can hop in and join. But that'll be really fun. We're going to have some prizes for whoever wins or finishes first in the fan section. So uh, it should be really fun. I'm stoked for that. I love March Madness. Get after it, baby. I can't wait. Can't wait. Well, we'll transition over into uh, some other NFL news and notes just from the past couple days. Mike McDaniels was introduced as the Dolphins head coach, and he had an absolutely incredible press conference once again. This dude comes in and wins every single press conference he has. Hey, Mike. Marcel Louis-Jacques with ESPN. Welcome to Miami. That's my fifth welcome to Miami, and I'm, I, I'm feeling welcome. I was about to say, just trying to make you
3: feel comfortable. That's what I mean. I'm just waiting for you to bust out some welcome to Miami and then finish the verse. I'm not going to do that right now, but maybe later on. Gotcha. Uh,
2: Is, he's hilarious. He's confident. I kind of, like I, like I said, I still think they should have kept Brian Flores, but I kind of like the selection because he just seems like a wild man. Every time he gets up to talk, you have no idea what he's going to say.
3: I heard Tua was hype as hell, too. I I heard they had a phone call, and Tua was like, this was like the best day of my life, like all this shit. I mean, I don't really have a, an NFC East team, but the Dolphins have some of the best colors in the NFL. AFC, so. East.
2: AFC East, I'm sorry. AFC East,
3: yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, they have some of the best colors, so.
2: They do. They have those candy ass uniforms. And when they play outside in the cold, it looks hilarious. Um, like I said, I'm anti dolphins, but I feel like Mike McDaniels might be a recurring segment on this podcast for throwing audio <laughs> clips in. Cause he's just, he's gold. He's just providing everyone with gold. Um, and he's really funny and I can't wait to see his press conferences throughout the off season and regular season. So we will see. Hell yeah. And then
3: in some other NFL business, um, I don't, think, I don't I think it got released pretty recently. Salary cap increases. So I think it went from like $180 million to a little over $200 million. Yeah. There, there was like a new multi-billion dollar TV contract that came out. I mean, that's why the salary cap went up. And then also, I think Rappaport might have re- reported it first. Um, there's going to be four international games next year. They're going uh, back to Mexico City, two games in London. And they added a game in Germany. Yeah, I,
2: do you know what stadium? Me? Do you know what stadium that's at? Because Germany has like the coolest stadium in the world. I'm gonna look up the name real quick. Hold on, keep going.
3: No, I was just completely surprised that Germany was the place. And then and then Rappaport's on NFL TV saying, "When I when I do shows in Germany." Uh they have like the craziest football fans and this is all about growing the game internationally. I don't know. I mean, it'll be good for the German people, I guess, if they can watch an NFL game and you'll see all the different uniforms in the stands, but that was just a wild pick. I did not see that one coming.
2: Yeah. The, I don't know how to say it. Alliance arena in Germany is completely inflatable, which is very cool. I don't know if that's where they're playing it. I don't think it is because I think they're playing it from what I can read at the Bayern Munich stadium um, in Munich clearly, but Germany, I like that for an expansion. I, they have really loyal soccer fans. It's a completely different culture than in America, but if they're really into football, that's a great way to expand the brand and, and get some fans juiced up. I'm sure that's a great trip for the players I always push back when people are like, well, you get a free trip to Germany. It's like, you got to go there and play a football game. Like you're still doing walkthroughs. It's the same thing with the Super Bowl. Like it isn't a vacation. It's a game week. So you still have a job to do. But, you know, hopefully they get the bye week after so they can stay a day or two. That's usually how the NFL schedules this, where whoever plays abroad gets a bye week the following week. I like the idea. I think it's cool. I, I love the international games. I push back on Mexico city because they've been given a couple chances to host games, the condition of the field, the altitude, we know the issues. Um, cool. If it actually happens. I know one game has been canceled there because of the condition of the field before, but uh, I love this. I think it's great for the game. I think it's oh, great for the NFL.
3: Yeah, dude. And I love waking up and having those 9 30 AM game. It's late. Right into, the, right into the eight o'clock game. Like, damn, dude, that's all day football. And now we got an extra game of it.
2: I'm hyped. Yeah, man. Um, I love the morning games. I know West Coast people are like, well, all of our games start at nine. Cool, dude. Don't care. Live on the East Coast, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, now they have a six o'clock game. So <laughs> yeah, now the they have a six
2: a.m. game. You can wake up real early. I, I do love that. I watch uh, some Premier League. And that's a big like, wake up at 8 a.m., have a cup of coffee, make your breakfast, watch some soccer. And soccer is a great sport to like have on in the background. Uh, I love it. It's very fun. Uh, I don't really follow it very closely, but the game is nice. Football is a different beast. Throw on a football game at 9 a.m. Like a few years ago, the Vikings played in London against the Jaguars. And just being able to wake up that early and you get a football game at nine. And then by the time the one o'clock games roll around, that game's over and you're just rolling right into it you get an entire day of football it's it's awesome
3: god it's amazing so transitioning into one of my i guess pet peeves that the NFL has and it really only comes around once a year it's what the fuck happened to these super bowl logos dude it this is going to piss me off and i already know it is um Go off, King. Everyone knows that since, I don't even know, Super Bowl XLV, uh, that's fucking 45. I think that might have been the one. Quick mats.
2: Quick mats.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Like, they're just these industrialized silver Roman numerals. Let's put the Super Bowl trophy in it. Silver-looking logos. Like, this year might be a little better because they have some red and yellow and some palm trees in it, but – Like, get the Super Bowl trophy out of there. You look back at all the older logos. Granted, up until, like, Super Bowl, I don't know, eight, it was just, like, the words Super Bowl and then the Roman numerals. But then they started to get some good designs. Then you're in at Super Bowl 17, and they start adding more stuff. And my favorite Super Bowl logo, Super Bowl 31 – It's the one that the Packers won. I may be a little biased down in New Orleans.
2: Yeah, dude,
3: this is the best one. Dude, they have like the Mardi Gras like colors and like the flair to it. Like what is up with these silver looking logos, bro? Like, you know how many graphic designers there are now? You can't come up with anything better than
2: that. No, it sucks, dude. It, It goes to how the NFL does everything now. It's very commercial, very cookie cutter. They're going to do the same thing over and over again, and if it sells and it's good to put on a poster, they're going to do it. Like I'm looking at some of these that are linked here. Uh, the the even the Super Bowl that in 2004. I'm horrible at Roman numerals. It's XXXIX that the Eagles played in against the Patriots in Jacksonville. Okay. Sick logo, like light blue. It has the the bridge in Jacksonville on it, like all this cool stuff. A lot of these logos, like you said, are design specific to the city they have a cool look and a cool appeal and you're right the last 10 years it's just been the trophy with the roman numerals and it's the same copy and paste format it's
3: like dude what they do all these awesome graphics they edit the coolest videos like mic up is sick like you can't get bro you know you probably know 15 people that could make up a better logo than that like, I don't want to buy a shirt or a hat that has this cookie-cutter silver LVI on it. I want to buy a, sh- a shirt or a hat that has this sick, ninth, like, Super Bowl 31, Super Bowl 30. Like, all of these other cool logos, I feel like you would move so much more merch. It would look wake the patch would look way cooler on the uniform. Yeah. Like,
2: dude. Throw it on a, a starter jacket. Like, I have all the patches on a starter jacket. I've seen people do that. You're not going to put any of the recent Super Bowls because you're right. They look like shit. This is a great thought. I never even noticed this. This is how much that the Super Bowl logo has started to blend in. I did used to notice them back in the day. I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That's a neat design. I haven't even noticed the Super Bowl logo in ten years, and you're right. there's a reason for it. The last literally twelve years has been the same logo redesigned with different Roman numerals.. Oh.
3: We got to get off this topic because I'm just going to get pissed off. Like, what the – oh, God, dude. What? Like, th- that might be the number one thing i do if I was the commissioner of the NFL is change the logo of the Super Bowl. Like, and I, I, I don't think I'm alone in this thought either. I think there's a lot of people that are like, what is up with this dumbass silver-looking – wait. I think the Packers won the Super Bowl the year before, like, the lockout, that mini lockout that happened but that doesn't really line up like it it kind of lines up but like what would be the reason i can't think of it it's, be more creative it's
2: laziness it's exactly what it is is laziness and it's what we talked about with the pro bowl it's the commodification of the NFL, broadcasting, marketing, and everything. They put the lit- most minimal amount of effort into every marketing decision they do because they don't have to drive fan interest and fan enjoyment. They already have that in the bag guaranteed. They can rest on their laurels because no matter what they do, if they're racist, if they're bigoted, if they – uh an incorrectly suspend players if they run insensitive ads or if they just have bland new team designs, logo designs, Super Bowl logos. We're going to eat it up because it's the NFL, we don't really have a choice. And they're shoving it in our face with these logos. It's a really good point. It's something I didn't even think about. And uh, they had they literally have not changed the logo in 12 years, it's the same logo, it's absolutely wild.
3: Just uh. It's just frustrating, but hard transition here. You mentioned Super Bowl commercials quick, which company do you think is going to have
2: the hardest commercial this year? Doritos, always Doritos. They, they come through every year. There's, there's no way they don't.
3: I agree. I, Doritos is definitely on the short list. I, I'm a sucker for a good Apple commercial. Yeah,
2: I agree. Like, they usually do a good job. Um, I can't really think
3: of anyone else, but I hope
2: monster.com. I hope- like the website builder usually has some pretty good stuff. Um, yep. They do some funny stuff. Uh, Budweiser is going to have the Clydesdales. That's always good to see. Yeah. I will say, greatest Super Bowl commercial moment of all time, leading into the Rams Patriots Super Bowl in 2018, they had been saying that um, Mr. Peanut was dead. And they were like hinting at Mr. Peanut's demise. And in the commercial that aired, Mr. Peanut dies. And then he's reborn as Baby Nut, and I'll never forget it. We're all at our college house that we used to hang out to. Shout out Arlington, and they air the commercial, and I have it filmed on my my phone. When Baby Nut appears, everyone there's like fifteen of us stands up and just starts screaming and clapping. It was one of the most iconic moments that I can remember in Super Bowl commercial history. Dude, that's great, and I I know I'm gonna put a no. Here's a, here's a
3: great bet. Set it even odds. Will there be an Apple Watch commercial telling you you're going to die if you don't get an Apple Watch?
2: Yeah. Probably. So. probably. Yeah, I'm probably. Probably. Or just like calling you poor if you don't have one, which is Apple's entire marketing strategy, which to be honest, works pretty well. No doubt. No doubt. But uh, let's right. transition hard off of that into our Super Bowl 56 preview. I know y'all have been waiting. We've been waiting to get into it. It's finally here. We're on Friday. Game's on Sunday. I am freaking stoked. I'm ready to go. I could run through a brick wall right now. We got the Bengals in their first Super Bowl since 1988. They've never won a Super Bowl before. And we got the Rams returning for the second time in the last 10 years. They were in the Super Bowl in 2018 against the Patriots and lost 13-3. to um, We have a lot of storylines headed to this game and a lot of matchup-based stuff. But let's kick it off with some betting lines. So let's spin it to you, Finn, for your betting corner.
3: All right. Let's get into it. So the line opened at 3.5, favoring the Rams. So I, I know it's been moving a lot over the past two weeks. It was up to 4.5. I think the consensus right now is it's minus 4. Um, I see Caesars has it at minus three and a half where it opened. Um, Sheesh, minus four for the Rams. 85% of the money is on the Rams. So that just tells you where the sharps are going. 54% of the tickets are on the Rams. So it's pretty split by the number of tickets. The over opened at 50. It's currently been better with 58% of the money and 53% of the tickets on the over. Sheesh, I don't know where to start. I mean, I – so clearly people like the ramps, clearly. Yes. I mean, I, I've been – it, I've been leaning towards the Bengals all week. Before I make my pick or before we get into it, maybe maybe you can walk through some storylines and convince me one way or the other.
2: Yeah, so I'm seeing the same thing. Minus four, minus four and a half. Caesars is minus three and a half. What did you say the over-under was one more time? It opened at 50. It's down to 48 and a half. Okay, so couple thoughts on the game overall, and then I'll give you my pick. I think the Rams are going to win. I put up a blog yesterday stating all the reasons why I think the Rams are going to win. I'll hit on a couple just real quick. Uh, The Rams are the best player on the field. His name is Aaron Donald. And we had talked about the mic'd up segment last week, but Aaron Donald isn't necessarily a vocal leader. He's more of a reserved guy. He was in the huddle getting these guys fired up. The entire team is saying that he is the vocal leader of the defense right now, saying this is their chance. He had a quote on Sunday when he was interviewed before they all, uh, well, I guess the Rams didn't fly to the game, but before everyone arrived for media availability. And he said, it's just trying to find a way to win. It's trying to find a way to get back and accomplish something I never accomplished before. I don't know what it feels like to win the super bowl. I know what it feels like to be there, but I don't know what it feels like to win. I feel like I accomplished a lot in a short amount of time in this league. The only thing I'm lacking now is being a world champion to get to that point. We've got to win this week. Donald seems really motivated and a motivated Aaron Donald is a scary thought. If Donald starts playing well, they're going to have to double team him, which is going to leave Von Miller and one-on-one coverage on the outside, which we said, On the Tuesday pod, that's a nightmare scenario for, uh, for the Bengals. They also have Cooper cup just in this playoffs alone. Cooper cup has 533 yards and five touchdowns on 37 catches. They have Matt Stafford who has 905 passing yards and 72 completions and six touchdowns. And he's only thrown one interception in the playoffs so far. Both the Bengals and the Rams have played three games so far this postseason, and the Bengals' defense is getting a lot of shine for stepping up against the Chiefs. But other than that second-half adjustment that we've mentioned against the Chiefs that was genius, so far in the postseason, the the Bengals have allowed 731 passing yards, 382 rushing yards, and they forced seven turnovers. 731 passing yards and 382 rushing yards are not good statistics for three games. Teams have moved the ball really effectively on them. The seven turnovers lead the playoffs. They would have led the playoffs entering last week as well, even though they had two against the Chiefs. They have been really good at getting turnovers in key big spots. But as I talked about with the Packers entering the 49ers game, turnovers as a defense are really tough to rely on, and that's a really slippery slope. And if they can't force turnovers against the Rams, this could get out of hand really early. And if they can't run the ball early, the Bengals, that is, and establish the run, They're going to be in a lot of trouble because Burrow's going to have to sit back on third and long and pass. And those pass rushers for the Rams are going to get after the path to victory for the Rams is to run the ball. They only have one game this postseason with hundred rushing yards. It was their first matchup against the Cardinals where they had 140 rushing yards as a team. If they can break through and run the ball a little bit and work off that play action, it's going to be a long, long day for the Cincinnati defense. They're not going to have any answers. I I'm leaning Rams, clearly, they're my pick. I like the Rams minus four. I like the Rams minus four and a half. I like the Rams by at least a touchdown. I think that while Cincinnati has all the momentum, they are the team of destiny, they have Joe Burrow. I don't think the gap between Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford is big enough to justify picking the Bengals. And I think the Rams have an advantage at every single position on the field, except arguably quarterback. Because you can even still make an argument that Stafford's a better quarterback than Joe Burrow. I might push back against it, but I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Um, the main key is that the Rams have only allowed 162 total rushing yards in the entire playoffs so far. The Bucks ran the ball well all season; they couldn't run the ball on them. The Cardinals ran the ball all season well; they couldn't run the ball on them. And last week, they played one of the best rushing teams in the NFL, the 49ers, and they couldn't run the ball on them. If Joe Mixon can't get going and Burrow has to sit back and pass, I feel like the Rams are going to get after him all day, and It really comes down to the game plan. The Rams have Sean McVay. We all know Sean McVay. He's a great schemer. He's a great motivator. He's a fiery guy and a great coach. He's going to find a way to get Cup and Beckham the ball, even if Higby isn't playing, as we stated. On the other side, you have Zach Taylor. He's a huge question mark. He's proved us all wrong and gotten his team to the Super Bowl this year and deserves a ton of credit for turning a 4 11-1 11-1 and one team around last season to a Super Bowl team this year. But he coached under Sean McVay in L.A. He was the wide receivers coach in 2017. He was the quarterback's coach in 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl. McVay knows what he wants to do to succeed on offense. That's not the be-all, end-all, but if both coaches know each other, I'm going to give the edge to McVay. And it's the reason I'm leaning on the Rams. I really like the Rams at minus 4.5. I really like the Rams at minus 6 if you want to take that. I like them by a touchdown at least. I think they win this game pretty comfortably. Uh, I could definitely be wrong. I've bet against the Bengals all postseason and look stupid, but that's just what I'm thinking for the matchup so far.
3: Yeah, I mean, if there's a spot to bet against the Bengals, I think it's this. Um, Defense wins championships. Um, The Rams have a better defense. They have an incredible – defensive line well at least they have aaron donald vaughn miller i don't know if it's incredible but he's the best player in the nfl uh, some would argue and leonard floyd leonard floyd's played pretty well for them
2: give yeah
0: well.
3: jalen ramsey a, a lot's gonna hinge on him but it's like with the offensive line that the Bengals have dude it's oh god i don't know it, it, it's an uncomfortable pick for me to make
2: um jesus it's tough I to handicap Joe Burrow cuz if he rolls up looking icy as hell, which he's gonna do, it's gonna make me really nervous if I got money on the Rams, man. Dude, I think
3: like they're gonna have to do screens to mix in and P. Ryan. Like what game script do you see? I know the Bengals came back from what? 21 to 3. They were down. They came back and they beat the Chiefs.
2: You know, they've come back a lot this season. They've won some shootouts. The game script for the oh. Bengals, they're going to have to establish the run and, and build off of it. Because again, if they're in they have to get the third and short. I mean, that's the key. So whether that's establishing the run or doing what you're saying, throwing screen passes, getting the ball out in the flat, past the D line. The problem with screen passes against the Rams is Von Miller and, and Aaron Donald are fast and they're smart. And Leonard Floyd is also fast and smart and they can identify screens pretty quickly. I mean, the 49ers tried to do that all week last week and it worked in the first half and did it in the second. If the Bengals can do that and open up the middle of the field a little bit and Boyd can operate and Jamar chase can get room on the outside, maybe later, but they're going to have Ramsey on Boyd. I mean, Ramsey on chase, excuse me, downfield. And Ramsey's a big physical guy. And I think he's going to make those jump ball situations really difficult for chase I'm not saying Chase won't have a great game. He probably still will, and Burrow will too. The one area that I'm really nervous about is in a bunch of those Patriots Super Bowls we talked about, they're not the better team. What can win them the game? And it always came down to Tom Brady. Joe Burrow has that little bit of Tom Brady in him where he fires up the dudes. He's cool, calm, collected. He wins games late. He brings his team back. He makes things happen when you don't think they're going to happen. And if the Rams get a t- ton of pressure up the field like the Chiefs did last week and Burrow escapes and scrambles and he can find one-on-one coverage downfield, that's how they win this game. But to do that, I think they're going to have to run the ball and force the Rams in a man coverage with a single high safety. And if they can do that and Burrow can scramble around against blitzes and pass rush like he did against Kansas City and create space with his legs, they do have a chance to move the ball against the Rams. My main takeaway is just, I don't think their defense has a prayer in hell to stop the Rams. Um, (laughs) Yeah. They're not a good defense. And I, when I looked into it, I was trying to realize like, why have they played well in the playoffs? What's been the deciding factor? Seven turnovers in three games is insane. That is the reason this defense is playing well. They're getting turnovers at key moments. Think of the end of the Titans game. Think of the end of the chiefs game. Think of the Raiders game. They get, turnovers in key moments and that helps drive them to win games i just don't see the rams doing that um i i see them taking care of the ball i see the game plan being very much let's run it against a bad run defense in cincinnati and i i think that the bus stops here for the Bengals. i really do
3: fuck dude ah god this is tough man i mean if you look at it it's also Dude, every single, every single game has been decided by a field goal, basically. Now, granted, I know the Rams are the Rams. I can see Cooper Cup getting, like, 15 touchdowns and just winning the MVP. Like, I, I can just see him running a 50-yard touchdown, like, right now. I, I can just see it happening. The one thing I will say, I, I watched probably two weeks ago some Devontae Adams film against Jalen Ramsey in the Rams game. They had him in motion like the Packers love to do with Devontae Adams. They run him from one side to the other. They get a read on what defense they're running. Look for Jamar Chase to be doing a lot of motion before the snap. I'm not saying Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase are the exact same player by any means, but, you know, uh, Jesus, I don't know. I, I'm going to take the Bengals. I'm going to take the Bengals and the points. Probably also
2: going to take a money line. Yeah, if you're going to take them take a money line i think right
3: but if it's if it's a field goal game yeah rams, that's true when the rams win by a last second field goal then i'm you know you're saying I'm, with, I'm within it now so like that's where i'm at on the game now with yeah. this 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 over under it's really interesting man it got bet down from 50 granted 50 is a lot it, it's not the highest number we've ever seen for a super bowl you know i mean you got bet down to 48 and a half.
2: 48 and a half scares me because I see this game as like a 27 to 20, 27 to 17 type of game. Um, and I think that's too many points. I would never take the under in a Super Bowl. I'm just throwing that out there. That is not a fun way to watch the game. Yeah, You can't. You can't. You just can't. And I just don't feel good enough to take the over in this. I will say one thing you did mention about chase in motion. I think that's an awesome pickup. They did it against the Chiefs where they would line up on trips on the left side. That's a three wide receiver formation stacked to one side and identify single coverage by that and then motion chase over to the other side of the formation and isolate him because they would have the Chiefs were rotating their safety over to the trip side and it was essentially single coverage with Chase and whoever was playing for the Chiefs on that side Uh, and it was tough to stop. I think the Rams are going to be ready for that. I think Sean McVay and Raheem Morris are going to be ready for that. That's just my opinion. I think that McVay's a great coach. And if I can watch that game film from last week and the week before against Tennessee and identify that that's really what they've been doing, I know for a fact the Rams know they've been doing it. Now, it gives an opportunity for Zach Taylor to make an adjustment on the other side. But as I stated earlier, I just don't know what else they're going to be able to do to overcome that besides Burrow scrambling around and playing hero bar ball, which is the way they win. I think, I think that's definitely a possibility.
3: Yeah, dude, this is going to be, this is going to be wild, bro. I'm so hyped. I really just don't want it to be a blowout. I, no, I don't same. Want to, yeah. Like even I know like on paper, the Rams are the better team. Like I know that I just, want to pick the Bengals? it's not the pick i want to make but god i think i just got to take it man. yeah
2: i mean that is the fun bet like i would like to root for the Bengals in this game which almost led me to take them because they are the team of destiny cincinnati winning a title would be great i just think if i'm gonna put money on the line i gotta take what every logical situation is telling me it's telling me to take the rams in every single matchup um real quick news and notes on the game leading into it tyler higby was out again for the rams in practice today on thursday He's not going to play. I don't think there's any chance that he plays Um, along with Uzama, the tight end for the Bengals. He said that he's never, he's not going to miss this game for the life of him, but he still hasn't practiced either. And it doesn't look like he's going to be able to go great news for the Rams though. Cam Akers returned to practice today, um, which we'll get into our MVP props, but that eliminates my Sony Michelle prop officially. But Akers is back in practice. That's big for the Rams, just adding another weapon. Uh, yeah, I everything looks locked and loaded. That's what I got. Uh, we're going to spin it to our L.A. correspondent, Kaizad Jokey, real quick. He's going to join us on the program, and we'll be right back to make our picks. All right, everybody, we are joined by our special L.A. correspondent. It is Kaizad Jokey. Kaizad, how's the weather out there right now?
1: It is quite fine. Uh, uh, a sprayed uh, eighty-five degrees. Uh, I don't know how it is over there, but it's been really hot. Uh, you know, I went out to get lunch, and it was uh, it was uh, pretty hot, pretty hot out there. It, it's pretty warm
2: today on the East Coast. You know, fifty-one for Philly is is pretty good for this time of year. Yeah. Um. So, questions around the Super Bowl. Have you seen any? Celebrities and or players getting ready for the game, maybe at In N Out burger, maybe around town at the crypto.com center?
1: Uh, no players so far. Uh, I was at the Grove, which is uh, one of the outdoor shopping malls in, uh, in LA, and they had a huge uh, Rams pop up store, which is really cool, um, but no celebs uh, as far as I've seen. But I'll keep looking and I'll report back to you guys if I do. But it was a cool. Like LA's getting into it, uh, you know, but I, I don't, it's not like, you know, it would be in like smaller cities where like sports means a lot more to them, but it's been cool. It's been cool. I think uh, there are a lot more ads than like real fan interest, but I've seen a lot of ads for the Super Bowl, like basically everywhere you look now.
2: Yeah. What's the overall vibe? Is it a lot of Bengals fans take over? I think a lot of people were expecting that. Or is it, you know, a lot of Rams fans or people juiced up for the Rams and more just juiced up for the game?
1: Uh, it seems like they're more just stuff for the game. Um, I, I feel like, uh, maybe Cincinnati will start like their fans will start coming this weekend. Um, it would be my guess, but I have seen a lot more excited for, excitement for the game from people who live here than uh, the Rams themselves. I think that's uh, definitely something I've noticed, uh, in the, you know, in the week, past week or so.
3: Well, guys, why do you think the Rams aren't getting like fanfare from the LA teams? Like I, I know, there's the Chargers. I know they came from St. Louis, but like, right? If you, got a, if you got a good team with a bunch of stars, it seems like you should have more public support.
1: It's true. Yeah, I think it is partly the chart. You know, like the split between the uh, the Rams and the Chargers. I don't know if it's the sports culture in LA uh, that's just a little bit different here. Um, I've seen a lot more energy in the past couple months for like the Dodgers than I have for any football team. Um, I don't know it's just uh, just not the same like you know camaraderie you would see in like Philly for example on any of our sports teams that's just not the same that way but um, definitely definitely more juice about the game itself just being in LA than any of the teams
2: you think if they win it'll it'll change some of that narrative because I know LA is a championship town I mean the Dodgers and the Lakers are very successful franchises when the Kings were good people went to a lot of the games and, uh, supported the team. You think if the Rams win, they might get, you know, at least some of the younger people to to convert to Rams fans.
1: Everyone loves rooting for a winner. So I think that's, uh, (laughs) that's definitely possible. And the Rams have just gone all in. I mean, we can talk about this when we get to the preview of the game, but like, um, you know, they've really pushed all their chips in this year. So I can't imagine like, you know, if they start winning this year and they're in the running next year that, you know, more fans will get into it because really it's a, it's a lot easier to become a bandwagon fan. And I think that's definitely possible here.
2: Super hard hitting question here. Um, Can you give us any Intel on Joe Burrow's outfit? Have you seen him? Have you seen <laughs> anything? Cause we're having a hard time handicapping this game without knowing what kind of swag Joe Burrow is going to pull up in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll start, uh, I'll start surveying the, uh, uh inglewood area hotels and I'll, I'll get back to you i'll start knocking on some doors you know
2: we'll um, we'll pay for some in and out and you can just stand out there and, and hand out <laughs> in and out burgers until you find joe burrow
1: i think that's definitely uh that's, that's definitely doable so let's uh let's talk more let's talk more about that i'll yeah. get back to you um
2: what what's your pick for the game <laughs> what are you feeling
1: the way i see it um you know, I think the home field advantage can be a little bit overblown, like, uh, you know, the advantage that has to the Rams. But I really feel like the Rams will win this game on their on their lines. You know, the offensive line and the defensive line, I think will be enough uh, to put them over the edge here. Pretty convincingly. Uh, the last time I checked, the line is three and a half for the Rams. Uh, but I feel like the the Rams will cover that pretty easily, in my opinion. I think I just don't see the Bengals offense getting enough uh You know, like just getting their game going uh, to the level they got against the Chiefs. I I just don't see that happening, and I feel like Matthew Stafford will be able to deliver no matter what the Bengals' D throws at him. So I I, I just, I just don't see, you know, Burrow keeping pace with Stafford in this game, just based on uh, the amount of like star talent that's on that Rams D. Yeah,
2: no, I totally agree. I think uh, unless the Bengals can get a really solid run game going they're going to be in a lot of trouble trying to sit back and pass while the Rams have their ears pinned back coming after Burrow all day.
1: Right. I like, I like what they did against the Chiefs. Um, You know, they, they got, uh, you know, Samaje and Mixon involved in the passing game, which I think, you know, could be to their advantage. Um, But we'll see uh, how they, how they play it. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be a tough matchup for Burrow. Honestly, I think, uh, you know, everyone's rooting for him, but that Chiefs D is a lot different from this Rams D um, they've Ramsey has locked a lot of people up this season, uh, where, you know, I don't think uh, Burrow's at, at that level yet.
2: Yeah, no, totally. Um, who, who do you like for Super Bowl MVP? Maybe give us your favorite and a deep cut.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I think cup probably will be my favorite, um, to win MVP. Um, I think I am I'm, I'm blanking on the Bengals quarterback, uh, yeah. um, who, if you would probably go against, I think, cup has the better hand there for sure. Um, I, I like cup, uh, but as a deep cut, um,
2: would it be crazy to say Kendall Blandon? <laughs> no, it, it wouldn't. Cause Higby's pretty much out now. Uh, right. it, he still hasn't hit the practice field acres returned to practice today. Uh, but yeah. Higby's not, he's going to miss the game. I, I like that. That's not a bad pick.
1: I think, uh, I think he'll just fly under the radar and, uh, you know, end up having a bigger game than pe- way a, a lot of people expect, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, air quality out there thinking strictly for national anthem do you do you think the singer is going to get enough oxygen how are we feeling about air quality <laughs> how are we feeling about timing
1: i think there's only one way to find out i have to go to sofi and you know start reciting the national anthem um and yeah you know there's only one way to find out i have to do it myself i feel like
2: yeah i mean that would be fantastic you know you can relay <laughs> back to us you were there for a chargers game earlier this year right Charger Giants. Um, it was a lot of fun.
1: Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it is a close stadium, right? I'm pretty sure it is. So, um, yeah, it is. It was, um, yeah.
2: A lot of people are saying it was like built specifically for a Super Bowl. There's not really a bad seat in there and it seats a ton of people. Uh, overall layout looks great. What was your experience like in there?
1: It was so sick. Um, I think Sofi, like you said, you know, there's really not a bad seat. And the way the screen is set up, like it just wraps around the entire like, circumference of the stadium, I think it's super cool, and it just, it just really improves the fan experience, it's, it's definitely super neat, and nothing like ever, you know, I've ever seen in any stadium I've been to, Um, you know, I think it's definitely, I, 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 last time I saw, it was, like, the, the further, the furthest back seats are, like, six grand, which is still crazy to me, um, but I don't think it's worth that, (laughs) but, uh it's uh it's definitely a it's a really neat experience and you know it's just one of those things i had to do at least once um yeah. so it was a, definitely a neat experience for sure so is really cool better the food is tra- is oh, trash my
2: yeah i kind of figured with la um have some weird food choices
1: yeah i was really shocked i was like it's a new stadium but no the food is really bad like i'll take chick chickies and peas any day over the- any of the stuff there
2: Perfect lead-in for my next question. Better fan experience, SoFi Stadium, Lincoln Financial Field, you have the floor.
1: <laughs> uh, fan experience, I would still say, I think if you're going once, uh, you know, SoFi, but if you're going a bunch of times, so like the more you go, like if you're a season ticket holder, I feel I feel like still Link is, Link is still a better fan experience. I just think the food is better, um, which might matter, you know, if you go more often. Uh, the parking situation is better. Uh, which wouldn't matter if you go more often. I think uh, yeah, that seems like a that seems like a hot take, but I, I, I still feel like the link would be a better fan experience.
2: How do you feel about the Staples Center rebrand, crypto.com center? Uh, I'm pretty upset about it. It hurts my feelings, but as a local. Uh, what's yeah. what's the general vibe around the crypto.com rename?
1: Everyone's going to call the Staple Center no matter what. I think that's the that's the vibe. Um, I did go one to one Laker game before uh, they they rebranded it uh, before Christmas and then one afterwards. And it's just so weird, like uh, seeing the crypto branding on the floor. Uh, it really is strange, but I really don't feel like it'll change anything. Like, you know, all the signage is still going to say like outside the stadium is still going to say Staples for a while. Like people are still going to call it Staples Center. That's not going to change uh, the way I see it.
2: Yeah. And staying with basketball. Huge news today. We talked about earlier on the podcast. Uh, James Harden traded to the Sixers for Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and two first-round picks. What are your immediate thoughts on, on that trade as we move through the day?
1: My immediate thoughts are it's a good trade for the Sixers. I think it's a good trade for both sides, honestly. Um, the way I see it is, you know, you look at uh, Maury's Twitter bio, opportunity is not a lengthy visitor. That's, what, that's really what rings in my head when I think about, you know, this trade because it's huge risk. But, you know, your championship window is not open for long. Who knows, you know, uh, how Embi- how healthy Embiid's going to be uh, after the season, the next season, and the season after that? You really don't know uh, with a, you know, seven foot two big. Uh, that's kind of my think. My thought process is you kind of have to capitalize on this season and next uh, before things could, you know, start- really start digressing and his health issues could get worse and worse, you know, because really who knows uh, with a player like that? But I think it's good value. I think Seth Curry. Uh, the two pegs, Drummond, I think those are, you know, expendable pieces uh, when it comes to building a championship team. You know, the championships, championship team started at the top, and now we have a you know, very clear top two, you know, duo that really could be a championship, championship contender
2: for sure. Yeah, I don't think I could have said it any better myself. Go ahead, Finny.
3: I need a uh, an over-under on win shares that will bring to the series. So, what are your thoughts, Kaizad? Sorry,
1: I missed that last part.
3: Paul Millsap, how good is he going to be?
1: <laughs> Paul Millsap, I'm going to need, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to need to do some more Paul Millsap research. <laughs> but um, I, I, I mean, he'll sit behind Tobias at the four. Um, you know, uh, we already have. Uh, you know, we have. We I, I don't think he'll make a huge difference, but. Uh, I think our bench depth is something that's underrated here. You know, when yeah. we, in, you think about Seth, like you know, you slot Maxi in in that spot. Um, you know, Harden is a, po- a you know, pretty true and true like point guard. Like he really can't dish the ball um, the way, uh, you know, not maybe at the same level, but the way Ben did. You know, uh, but I think Maxi can slot in well where Seth is. I think we have really solid bench depth, and Paul Millsap would be one of uh, one of many uh, in that situation where. Uh, he would contribute, you know, to our depth.
2: I think that losing Andre Drummond will actually hurt them more than losing Seth Curry. Seth is, full disclosure, like my favorite player on the team. I absolutely loved having him on the Sixers. I thought he was really fun. He has a really cool skill set that's exciting to watch. Dead-eye shooter can play off the dribble. But Harden's just going to come in and play the two and do exactly what Seth Curry did. And pairing him with Maxi from a defensive perspective is really exciting because in areas where Harden lacks, if you put him next to Thibault and Maxi, I think he can thrive um, because he's not asked to do much defensively and moving him more to a two guard than a one where he can still create and pass, like you said, but doesn't have to be the floor general all the time and can focus more on scoring, he can really succeed. I am kind of concerned that they don't have a backup center again because uh, Drummond was doing very well as the backup center, getting rebounds, sure. playing defense. I'm wondering if Millsap can is going to play like small ball five In a couple lineups, I'm not really sure yet. We're kind of going to have to see. And I'm interested to see if Ben Simmons, if he actually just plays now. Because the excuse for a while was his mental health. And I wonder if that just clears up now that he's in Brooklyn. Uh, The Nets are a confusing team. They added some depth, which they desperately needed. They still have Kyrie. They still have KD. But Cleveland in front of them in the standings geared up and and got Karis LeVert and, and beefed their roster a little bit. So I'm interested to see where Brooklyn falls in the grand shuffle. Feel great about this move for the Sixers. Like you said, gives them another star, gives them another scorer, another guy who in a playoff setting can get them a bucket in late-game situation, take some of that last five minutes uh, pressure off of Embiid, and another bucket scorer, which is what they desperately needed.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. On the backup center front, you know, uh, I think the bio market is definitely now their next best option. Yeah. Uh, if they, you know, can find like someone who can pair well, uh, you know, with the with the twos, but you know, who knows? Uh, is this tar- uh, is this Charles Bassey time? Is this Paul Reed time? <laughs> There's a lot of questions. I don't I don't know if they're ready yet for you know real minutes, but um, you know, there are a lot of options uh, at the backup center position. I think it's those are the th- kind of things you make the deal. And you figure about you know you worry about that stuff later. Um, yeah. I think that's that's the way you you kind of handle that stuff. It, if they want Andre Drummond, they can have Andre Drummond. Like uh, Embiid can handle any of the net centers right now with uh, with ease.
2: I don't think Tristan Thompson would be a bad option if he gets bought out uh, for like no money. He's not great, but if you need somebody to play five minutes in a playoff game, he could probably come in and do it and get some rebounds.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. I just think back to that Raptor series where. And bead was a plus 90, you know, and, you know, when they were, when he was not on the floor, you know, this, this, uh, the teams just collapsed. So I think that's why we really liked, you know, Drummond is he can hold his own, uh, for the limited minutes he plays. So we just need to find, really, it's not that hard. It shouldn't be that hard to find someone like that.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Finney, you got anything else?
3: Yeah, I got two more questions. Um awesome. We all know Kaizad has like the 10th biggest Bitcoin portfolio on the West Coast. And he <laughs> doesn't want to liquidate it to get a Super Bowl ticket. So what are your plans for the Super Bowl? What are you doing? Um, where are you going to be at?
1: Uh, it's a friend's birthday. So uh, I'm going to be uh, going to a bar some, uh, someplace to watch the Super Bowl. Um, not going uh, anywhere near uh, SoFi because the closer you go, the, like, the traffic is already bad. So. Uh, the day off the Super Bowl, it's going to get even worse. So I'm, I'm trying to stay as far away from so far as possible, but I'm definitely going to catch the game uh, and celebrate a friend's birthday around here.
3: Great, great. And last question, uh, if you're at a Super Bowl party, are you uh, leaning more towards charcuterie board or chili?
1: Interesting. Well, if it's Eric's chili, you know, yeah. that's a different situation. But uh, generally, uh, I'll do charcuterie, but... If it's Eric's chili, that's a different situation, obviously. But a normal chili is, you know, not really doing it for me, um, generally.
2: All right. We'll Last... take that as a wash. We'll take that as a wash, Eric. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I'm getting dunked on pretty hard for this chili thing. I thought Super Bowl chili was a thing. Apparently, it is not. Um, and I'm just getting absolutely dunked on. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's the fine. chili. I said, if
1: it's only if it's your chili, that's that's the only reason I would uh, choose chili. That's it is famous.
2: Like I said, it's, <laughs> it's like the fountain of youth. It's, it's purely unattainable. Um, mm-hmm. Once you have a taste, you can, you can never get it out of your mind. My last, last question for you. Um, do you think Durham's going to finish the meat mountain on Sunday?
1: I really hope so. And if he does, I want to, I want a FaceTime call. I'm, a, I'm available. So I, oh, we're going to FaceTime
2: you in. We're going to FaceTime okay. you in for the meat mountain. That's, that's unquestioned.
1: That's really important to me, so please, you know, don't forget me while you're in the heat of the moment. Uh, I don't want to be forgotten. Uh, I, I need a call. I need to see it with my own eyes.
2: Brother, it wouldn't be the same if you weren't there. Uh, thank <laughs> you for coming on the podcast. This is our LA correspondent, Kaiza Joki. This will not be the last time. We're going to have to have some Lakers talk later in the season when that dumpster fire inevitably collapses. So thanks for coming Looking on, for- brother. We really appreciate it.
1: Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys.
2: Now that... Is a good soap. All right, guys, we are back and we're going to be making all of our final picks for the game leading up to it. So, Finney, you want to take it away?
3: Yes, sir. I'm going to go, like I just said, Bengals plus four. Kind of hoping that before the game, it get, gets bet up to four and a half. I, I might wait it out to see that. I don't know what half a point at four will do for me, but i um, going to take the Bengals definitely going to take the Bengals and the, and the, and the, the points over under, I would say I lean. Fuck it. I lean over. I might even throw down a cool quarter unit on the over. Um, yeah, man, that's where I'm at. What cool. about you?
2: I will take the Rams plus, I mean, sorry, minus four or four and a half, wherever it lands. Um, I might even tease that up to Rams minus six. Cause if you think they're going to win by four and a half, I don't really see the need in taking that. Just buy up the six because they're going to win by a touchdown in that case. And then if yeah. they miss an extra point, you're safe on a push. Um, I'm not going to bet the over-under in this game. I just don't like it. Uh, I, we'll get into it when we do our game picks and score prediction at the end of this segment. But I, uh, I think I'm going to stay away from the over-under and lean more into props. So do you have any Super Bowl props that you like?
3: Yeah, um, I'm going to go heads on the coin toss. Um, I know people say tails never fails, but I think I'm going to go heads. Uh, I've always been been a heads guy. Um, love it when the coin flips heads. Love some heads. So, yeah, I'm going to go heads. <laughs> um, what other? I, mean, I have like a, a thing between my friends where we just have to pick like, it's not really like, betting props but let me just throw some out there at you Eric go for All it right? team to score first what do you think
2: rams 100% probably rams. Rams. Yeah, rams yeah probably rams. rams 100% and um just going to throw we- this out there while we're talking about it now if you're picking the rams in this game take them to lead at half they've only lost once under sean McVay when they've been leading at half and most of the time they do win they are leading at half so if you're going to bet on them to win the game money line and or points take them to be winning after the first half. Okay. Odell, anytime touchdown. What do you think? Got burned by it last week. I'm considering it. I'm thinking about it. I think it's a pretty good bet. Cause I, I think they're going to throw a lot of double teams at Cooper cups since Stafford likes to throw to him on third down and in the red zone. Um, so yeah, I don't hate it. What's the uh, line on that?
3: I actually don't have it. Let me pull it up, but I'll pull it up and get it to you. But This he feels like a I don't like an Antonio Brown when he went to the Patriots and when he went to the uh the Buccaneers. Like I feel like they're gonna draw up some touchdown plays for him when they get in the red zone.
2: Yeah, if they're in the red zone and they double team cup, that means he has single coverage on the outside and Stafford loves to throw that fade to him. I don't see Eli Apple shutting him down from catching that fade. So uh I, I don't hate it. I like it. I think it's a good pick, especially with Higby out. They're not going to be throwing touchdowns to uh, Kendall Blanton, I don't think. But, you know, I know that was Kaizad's sleeper pick. But we might uh, – I don't think we're going to see three Kendall Blanton touchdowns. So, I, I don't hate Odell's the pick.
3: Bro, you can bet on first reception in the game. Oh, my God, dude. Playoff props. Gamble responsibly. Yeah. <laughs> 1-800-GAMBLER. Dude, th- this is incredible. I don't even know if they have – at least where I'm looking, I don't see an any-time touchdown. I just see all these – First reception stuff, but they'll be in an anytime touchdown.
2: Uh, on yeah, the list. It, I know FanDuel prop- always has it. I mean, what do you think it'll be like, probably I, with Odell, probably like plus 350 plus 450, something like that? I Maybe even, li- I was thinking lower, it but- might be lower, it might be lower. Um, it, it's it's definitely not above plus 450, and I don't think it's in the minus, so I think it's somewhere between like plus 150 to plus 450. Yeah. Yeah,
3: I like that. I I I think he will. So yeah,
2: I like that. Throw it in a parlay. Have a little fun with it.
3: Yeah. Um. Here's an off the wall one. I don't know if you can bet on this, but highest scoring first or or highest scoring half. It'll be first or second.
2: Second, almost guarantee it's second. Tough one. These two teams score a lot in the second half. I I would go second, especially the Bengals. Um. And we'll get into it when we do our score prediction, but I, I think this game has big, like 14 10 halftime vibes. Okay.
3: And he, here's two tough ones for you. These are the last two I'll give you Burrow over under two and a half passing touchdowns, and the same thing for Stafford. What do you think? Ooh, that's tough. That's, that's tough. really, that's a really tough number.
2: I'm staying away from Burrow because I don't know about how many points they're going to score. And Stafford's tough because I feel like they might run a couple touchdowns in with how this defense has been.
3: I, and, and I mean, both of them could get two touchdowns and it'd still be a good game for him.
2: Yeah, it would. You know? I, would lean, I, I would lean staying away from the Burrow just because I don't know. And if I had to pick one on Burrow, I'd take the under. And if I had to pick one on Stafford, I guess I'd take the over. But banking on him throwing three touchdowns basically means they're, they're going to run for one or less touchdowns, which I don't know. That's a tough bet.
3: Yeah. Other than that, um, I don't know. I think heads might be the only prop. Ooh, here we go. This is, this is the one, Eric. Gatorade, shower, color. Okay. What are, what are my options here? Okay, you got orange at plus 150. That's the favorite. Mm-hmm. Then you got blue and clear or water at plus two hundred. Yellow slash green at plus two fifty. And then we have none, red slash pink, and purple at
2: plus five hundred. Value pick purple.
3: Yeah, that I immediately thought purple too, but um
2: pick that I think it's gonna be blue. I feel like the Rams will do blue Gatorade since their jerseys are blue. I don't know if that's stupid to think, but it seems like, yeah, and that's a pretty popular Gatorade flavor, so.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm stuck between blue and yellow, man.
2: I don't, I, I got a handicap, but I got to go back and look at, you ah, know, the last five, should have asked Kaizad what they're drinking out in the streets, man. Missed <laughs> 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 opportunity.
3: Yeah, facts. Well, all right. That's where I'm at on some of those picks. What props you got?
2: Cool. So I love Samaj P. Ryan, Anytown, anytime touchdown scorer. It's going to be different on every book, but it's landing somewhere between plus 450 and plus 950. Um, love it. He scored in two of the three postseason games for them. He's their red zone running back. It's not mixing. He runs a lot of their screen passes and catches a lot of their balls. I really like him as an anytime touchdown scorer. Uh, I'm staying away from heads and tails. I'm gonna take the over on the national anthem just because I like to do it and I think that's fun. Throw a little ten dollars down on that. Whatever. Have a little. Have a good time. Like I said, I like Rams to score first and Rams to lead at the end of the first half. Um. Other than that, it, I guess the the MVP counts as props, so we can dig into that a little bit. Let's do it. Safe bet of the game, Matt Stafford plus 130. If he even has an okay game, they're going to give it to him, considering the story surrounding it. One that I find really interesting, it opened at plus 1,200. Aaron Donald is down to plus 400 for Super Bowl MVP. I can see a situation where he has a touchdown in this game and wreaks havoc based on the comments that he's made. I went over it in the blog. I went over it in this podcast earlier, but he's motivated and that's a terrifying thought, but at plus 400, I don't really love it. Um, if you're going Bengals again, off the wall pick, and I'm struggling to find it. Samajay Piron, P Ryan at plus 15,000. Like, <laughs> yeah, why not? What if he scores three touchdowns? Um, he was the better of the two running backs last week against Kansas City as far as production goes, so I would consider it. I'm picking the Rams, so I would pick a Rams player and go off the wall with that. Odell Beckham at plus 1,800 is not bad, but I think Cup is the safer option at plus 600. I'm looking at Von Miller at plus 2,800. If you're trying to pick something that's just going to boost your odds, I don't love the pick. I don't think that he's going to win the MVP. Um, but it's an option. I, I would pick a Rams running back. I liked Shoney Michelle, but now that him and Akers are playing, I just don't know. Because Akers doesn't get a lot of touchdowns and Michelle doesn't get a lot of yards. So they might split down the middle. So I, my safe pick, the pick that I am going to make with my winner and my my Rams pick is Stafford plus 130. Um, but if you want to get spicy with it, look at Odell, Cooper Cup at plus plus six hundred. Or Von yeah. Miller at plus 2,800. I'm leaning Cup, I think.
3: But then, like, how are they going to play him? Like, game script. If they know he's... But then he, the Rams have so many good receivers, like, you can't always double him. Then you leave Odell open. Like, the thing. are with they, are, are they, are,
2: are they going to play, like, a too high Are they going to play a shell? Are they going to let him throw? Like Well, if... I don't know, because what they did against Kansas City was really confusing. They came out and played like man coverage, single high safety and said, throw the ball deep on us to lure Kansas city into that. And then play double high and drop seven the rest of the game. They can't do that against the Rams. I think the Rams primary passing offense is going to come off play action, but here's the thing, unless cup has 150 yards and three touchdowns, he's not winning it over Stafford. Like if he has 111 yards and two touchdowns, but Stafford throws three or four touchdowns in the game total and has 300 yards passing, it's going to be Stafford because of the story. We all know that. Um, that's why it's really tough to take a Rams receiver, I think, this year. Because they always give it to the quarterback and also Stafford with the story and everything surrounding it. Uh, again, the, the only value pick that I like is if you're taking the Bengals, seriously consider Samaj P. Ryan at plus 15,000. Because it's a very outside-the-box pick. But if you're just looking to throw $10 on something, he could, in theory, have three touchdowns. He is their red zone back. So I don't hate that. And what you said earlier about screen passes, that is a good way to beat a good pass rush, which the Rams have and prevent them from getting upfield. He's the guy that's going to catch those passes. So I don't know. It's not a terrible. pick. Yeah, I
3: kind of think Joe
2: Mixon might be. I'm okay with Joe Mixon. He's plus yeah. 3,300.
3: Yeah. Joe Mixon might be not a bad one. I mean, especially like, dude, I don't fuck. This is a tough, this is tough, dude. Like St- Stafford's obviously the chalk pick, but ah, uh, it's like cup or Odell, like I don't know I mean uh, that's tough uh, if, you're I, looking think if at I have the to make two, one, if I have to make one, I'm gonna say Cooper cup that's what yeah. I'm gonna go with.
2: okay, I like that i I'm like I said, I'm taking Stafford, even though the odds aren't great, it does boost them a little bit, and uh I think he's gonna win it, and the Rams are going to win the game.
3: yeah, which it's just so unlikely that. But honestly, no, it's not. He could get fucking five sacks. And I, he not, could score a really. touchdown. I mean, yeah. if he
2: scores a touchdown and it's early in the game, a la Von Miller against the Panthers, and they don't score a ton of points, it's going to be Donald. I just think they scored a ton of points against the Bengals. I already laid out the case, but. I, actually
3: Staff- did. I think Aaron Donald, I'm, I'm going with Aaron Donald.
2: I'll I like it. Up. Aaron it's Donald. Nope. I liked it a lot better when it was plus 1100. Um, like I said, I'm going to go Stafford is my pick.
3: Yeah, and, and that Tyler Boyd option, like, that's, like, if they're doubling Chase and someone has to do it for the Bengals and they win the game and he has, like, two touchdowns, 180 yards, like, yeah, they might give it to Burrow, but, like, if he
2: has a crazy good stat line, whoo! And to update the thing, on Kaizad's sleeper, he had Kendall Blanton, that's plus 10,000. Love it. <laughs> telling me, that this these odds are telling me Higby's out because he's not even listed. So, I mean, we all know that, but still. Yeah.
3: Cool, cool. Well, to wrap up the Super Bowl preview, um, the halftime show, what are your thoughts?
2: I'm excited. Uh, Eminem was my favorite musical artist growing up as a kid. Uh, I love him. I can recite pretty much all of Marshall Mathers' LP through uh, Eminem show because I'm a psychopath and his music is awesome. Kendrick is my favorite modern rapper. So shout out Kendrick. Love Snoop. Love Dr. Dre. Snoop Dogg better light a blunt on stage. That'll be epic. The NFL will hate him for it. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a really well choreographed show. You got Mary J. Blige in there as well. So I'm looking forward to it a lot, man. I I think it's going to be a banger of a halftime show.
3: Yeah, I mean, California dreaming. It's got to be played. Um,
2: California love. Yeah, dude, yeah they're be... gonna play that first. Come on, they're coming out to that, dude. Maybe, I... <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I, I'm excited
3: for it. Um, you know, I, I was a sucker for the weekend. Um, yeah, it was a good show, you know. I'm, I'm just a hopeless romantic, so I, I love that, but um,
2: uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited uh, for the halftime show. Um, if they do, um, what, what's the the Kendrick, I got to look this up. Kendrick has a song with Eminem off Marshall Mathers LP two. But
3: also, how are they going to balance all these people?
2: Like, usually when there's multiple artists that come out. Well, they, they all don't... have a lot of songs together. Like Dre and Snoop will probably come out first and do some songs with each other. And then Dre and M have a bunch of songs. The The hard thing with Eminem and Dre is picking the songs. By the way, that Eminem Kendrick Lamar song is called Love Game. It's off Marshall Mathers LP2. There's no way they do that song. But like Guilty Conscience, that could happen with M and Dr. Dre. They could do Without Me, which I would assume that Eminem does because that's his most popular song. I hope they don't do modern Eminem. I really do. I hope he does old stuff, but We'll see. I'm really excited. I, there, the song category is wild. I would say Mary J Blige and, uh, or is it Mary J Blige or Alicia Keys? Mary J I, Blige. It is. Yep. Okay, cool. She has that song with Kendrick. Uh, that's a bonus track on good kid, mad city. They might do that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm interested. I don't, I, I really don't know what they're going to play. I really don't know how they're going to format it, but. I'm for the first time in a long time, I'm really intrigued about the halftime show. Yeah, they
3: they just keep us coming back, Eric.
2: Yeah. All right. Know Bef- to- yep. Before we wrap this segment, your game pick and your score. So just team you think is gonna win and your score.
3: I love it. I love it. Um so I've already said Bengals. I mean, if the Bengals win, it has to be high scoring. Like, so I guess I would say. Shit.
2: 20, 28, 27. Okay. So you got Bengals, 28, 27. I will take the Rams, 27 17. Good. Cool. Those are our picks. Yeah. That is our Super Bowl 56 preview. Very excited for the game. We will recap everything and all of the action on our Tuesday pod uh, and get after it and see how we did on our betting. Uh, I know I wrote everything down, so we'll be good to go. Last thing we want to cover here on the Victory Formation podcast is UFC 271. It is a stacked card. It's Saturday night. I'm really excited. Main card goes off at 10. I think the undercards end at around 930. They start at about 7. You're going to be able to get the undercards for free on ESPN+. But we're going to, for time's sake, hit on the main card fights here. Start at the bottom. Got Bobby Green, Nasrat, Hakparast. Excuse me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I have no idea for that fight, so I'm going to skip it. Uh, You have any thoughts on that one? I don't think so. (laughs) No. All Um,
3: right. I mean... Bobby Green. No, dude, I don't
2: know. <laughs> we got a bantamweight fight between Kyler Phillips and Marcelo Rojo. Now, Kyler Phillips is the heavy favorite in this fight. He's been a phenom coming up. I bet on him a few months ago, and he lost. Um, he did not look good at all. I'm very hesitant to bet on him again. I looked into Marcelo Rojo. He's 16 and 8 in his career, which is not very good. Um, so I think I'll take Kyler Phillips in a parlay here but I might stay away from that fight. I really don't know.
3: Yeah, the reach is the same. It looks like Kyler Phillips has significant strike accuracy is significantly higher. Yeah, he's a really um, like world-class striker. Um, he, he has the takedown advantage as well.
2: Um, takedown accuracy is about the same for them. Again, he looked really bad in his last fight. That's why he's getting this fight. So the yeah. UFC is trying to save his career by throwing him a bone on a, on a main card here. Yeah, he's, he's got a massive – He's, I mean, not massive favorite, but minus 420. Yeah, he's a massive um, – for UFC, that's a massive
3: favorite, which scares yeah. the shit out of me.
2: Yeah, um, so,
3: yeah, you, th- that's one you just got to throw it in your parlay and hope it doesn't blow it up.
2: Yeah, moving up to a middleweight showdown between Jared Canier, Caniner, Cannonier. I don't know how to say this guy's name. I've watched him fight. And Derek Brunson. Um, they both looked really good in their last fights i don't know i might take brunson just because i've seen him fight really well in the past he's the seasoned fighter of the two
3: yeah well, what's weird is he's two inches taller but the other guy has a half an inch reach advantage um same age the, yeah cannoner he, switch stance that could throw some some stuff into it that could throw some some variables into it there, Pretty even, I guess, on other stuff. It looks like Brunson has a takedown advantage. The odds here are really tight. Minus 170 for Cannoner. Brunson's plus 145. Damn, dude, I don't know. This is, this is a great card. This might just be a good sit-down-and-watch type night.
2: Yeah, just for reference, they were supposed to fight on the last card on UFC 270, but because of COVID, that fight was canceled. Um, so they are now fighting. He beat... Kelvin Gastelum in his last fight, that is Cannoner. And he lost to Robert Whitaker, who's also fighting on this card. I don't know, man. This is tough. I mean, a lot of Cannoner's losses, like he lost to Glover Teixeira, who's the current um, belt holder for lightweight. I mean, sorry, um, light heavyweight. Hmm. Who do I like in this fight? I mean,
3: if I'm just looking at their pictures on ESPN, like Cannoner looks better. Like I'm gonna take football. Cannoner.
2: I'm gonna take Cannoner. I think he has better fights. The last, I mean, Brunson beat Darren Till. Cool, whatever. That was his last like big win. His last big fight, he lost to Izzy Israel Adesanya, who's also fighting on this card, pretty decisively. I'm gonna take Cannoner. I think he's got him in this one. Uh, What are the odds? Do you see that?
3: ESPN has it at minus 170 for Cannoner, plus 145 for Brunson.
2: Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take Canada. I think he's going to win. Um, moving on to our co main event, the fight I am most excited for Derek Lewis, Ty Ivasa. We got the Black Beast and the Shoey Man. If you don't know Ty Tuivasa, every time he wins, he grabs beers from the audience and pours them into his shoe and drinks them. It is electric. He is a personality. And then on the other side, you have Derek Lewis, who's the ultimate personality. My balls is hot. All the clips post fight bangs on his chest like a gorilla and pounds the ground. Lewis is coming off a solid showing. Tui Tai, Vasa, tai Tui Vasa has been really good recently. I don't know, man. Do you have, are you leaning one way or another on this one?
3: Dude, I like both of them. <laughs>
2: I, I, I heard someone today say, uh, this is
3: the people's main event. Hell yeah, it is. This is, dude, we all love Derek Lewis. At least, I mean, I, I love Derek Lewis ever since the my balls was hot. Tai Tuivasa has come onto the stage hot. The odds have it at minus 190 for Derek Lewis, but plus 160 for Tai Tuivasa. I mean, Derek Lewis has been around the top for a while. He's had some title shots, hasn't really broken through. Tied to Ivasa has that new guy momentum, the public guy. You know, these are heavyweights.
2: It's tough to pick this fight. I just, Lewis just fought on December 18th. He fought Chris Dukakis from Philly and kicked his ass. That was an embarrassment. Yeah, he did. Like it was not yeah. even close for a second. And a lot of people were picking him um, in that fight. The thing with Taito Iwasa is he hasn't really beaten anyone yet. You could kind of make an argument that his best win is Greg Hardy. And that's not good. But his last two fights, he's won performance of the night and gotten the fight bonus. That's against Augusto Sakai and Greg Hardy. I'm going to take Black Beast. I think Derek Lewis wins. I, I, I am a little bit alarmed in the last couple of press conferences. Derek Lewis has kind of sounded like he he doesn't really care if he wins or loses anymore. He's just in it for the money, which totally respect that. But I think Taito Yvassa is fighting for like national pride. Yeah. Dude, what did you honestly, say? The what did you say? The line was so Derek Lewis is minus
3: one ninety. Taito Yvassa is plus one sixty. I'll be honest, like looking at that minus one ninety, that kind of scares me.
2: Yeah, I think I'm gonna take Taito Ivasa because he's the underdog.
3: Yeah, I it's, I I also I, I like that pick.
2: It's tough because, like, Lewis's main appeal is he's going to hit you and knock you out. He has incredible power. Tuivas is a pretty good striker and can move around a little bit for his size, and you saw Derek Lewis struggle with Cyril Gan in a similar fight. Now, I'm not comparing Tai Tuivas to Cyril Gan. Cyril Gan is world-class, head and shoulders above him. I don't know. Again, I don't know how much Lewis really wants this fight. He just fought on the 18th. I Is he a replacement for this fight? How is he? I guess he's not. He's just, he took it. But yeah,
3: I don't know. Depending on what you can get the um, like over-under on rounds in. I don't know. Do you see this going outside the first round?
2: No, I don't see this going outside the second or third round. Because Lewis does not. Oh, it's only... Well, it's a co-main event, so I wonder, is this a five-round fight? I don't see it going five. Derek Lewis went? hates five-round fights. He has said he does not want to fight five rounds, but since it's a co-main event, I think it might be a five-round fight. It's not going five between these two guys. No. Um, I don't know. I'll take Tai Tuivasa. Again, gambling on MMA is the ultimate gamble because anyone can beat anyone. You really don't know. Yeah. But I'll take Tai Tuivasa because I want to root for him. I like him. If you want a safe bet, take Lewis, because he's probably going to win the fight. And then we'll move to our main event for the strap, the middle eight world championship of the world. The rematch, Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. I'm taking Izzy. I think it's easy money. I don't think Robert Whitaker is going to win this fight, but he's a great fighter, so. Again, it's a fight. Anything's possible. But I'm on Izzy. I don't know what your take is.
3: Yeah, I mean, as a casual UFC fan, you hear a lot about Israel Adesanya. Um, Dude, he's 6'4 in the middleweight division. He's four inches taller than Robert Whitaker. Has a a six-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. He's a switch fighter, so he just moves all around. He has better significant strike accuracy. God, dude. I mean, he's just a, he's an animal. I I think if you take Robert Whitaker, you're kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, Adesanya
2: has run train on this division for years now. I'll highlight a couple of um, Whitaker's last fights. He beat Darren Till in 2020, Jared, Jared in 2020 as well. And his last fight was April 17th, 2021. He fought Kevin Gastelum and won uh, by unanimous decision. If Whitaker's going to win, it's going to decision. So if you want to bet Whitaker, take decision. He will not knock out Izzy. And that's just not his thing. His last six wins have all come by decision. His last TKO win was April 15th, 2017. So if you're going to take Whitaker, take it by decision. The last time he fought Adesanya, he got knocked out. Uh, That was on October 6th, 2019 in Melbourne, Australia, I'm going to take Israel. I think he's going to win.
3: Yeah, I'm looking at the ESPN, like, Fight Pass or ESPN Plus UFC uh, ad. It's got Conor McGregor, Francis Ngannou, Rose Naman, Naman Yunus, and Israel Adesanya on it.
2: Yeah. So I he's, mean- one of
3: the, he's one of the big four fighters that they're promoting for their I- Fight Pass
2: I That's think out good. of the yeah. three African kings, he is the most marketable. Um, Usman is by and away the best fighter out of those three guys. I think Usman—you ha- can make a legitimate argument—he's the greatest UFC fighter of all time at this point. But I'd say I would still he- probably
3: go John Jones or McGregor. But I- I'm again, I'm a casual. So. Yeah, I'm,
2: as a casual, I I do not. I'm not surprised you said McGregor, but McGregor is nowhere near that list. Um, he's just not. But he's just one of the
3: biggest stars ever. So yeah, he's the
2: most marketable guy they've ever had for sure. He is not one of the best fighters in the history of the UFC. Oh, wait, Um,
3: dude, what am I saying? It's, it's obviously for me, Khabib.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I think Khabib's the greatest fighter in the history of the UFC for the sole reason that no one could beat him with his style and he could do whatever he wanted. And the guys he beat is the way he beat them. Crazy. I also love him. I think he's awesome. But there's a legitimate argument you can make for Usman. There's definitely an argument you can make for John Jones. GSP, George Saint Pierre is probably the safe pick. Um, but you know, I, Adesanya right now is—I think he's what the second-ranked fighter in the world behind Usman. So I don't—I don't see why you wouldn't take him. I would take him against Whitaker. He beat him pretty handily the first time, took the belt from him, and has not given it back since. So I'd put my money on Adesanya. Gang, sounds good. Hell yeah. Well, that was talking UFC. We're getting ready for that. We're also getting ready for the Super Bowl, guys. Thanks for tuning in. This was a big show and uh, really excited for Sunday. Get your chili on the stove, get your chili ready, uh, dig into some chili, and have a safe and awesome Super Bowl 56 weekend.
3: You're, have it going, guys. Uh, also, make sure for all the guys out there listening, Valentine's Day's on Monday. So get your shit
2: together if you haven't. Great reminder. Great reminder. I didn't know that. So, all right, guys, have a great weekend. Peace.
0: I keep that thing on me. God damn it, Bobby. They see me selling propane and now they trying to copy. Pretend to be broke, but I got hella cash. If you use charcoal, I'ma kick your ass Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. That's my purse. I don't know you. If you run in up, then I pull out this 32. Bitch, big. Bobby's spitting heat in the stew. I got rats on rats, and you ain't got a clue. God damn it, Bobby. Shut the fuck up. When I'm on the block, bitch, I'm fucking shit. Oh man, god damn it. Bitch, I'm pulling out, painting clouds on my walls. Better go kick my dad in the balls Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cuz he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cuz he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Oh man, goddamn. Bobby, I know you were capping the whole time, boy. I know you get no bitches and no hoes and no paper, no bands, boy. All you do is sit in the fucking basement all day and play World of Warcraft with your bitch ass. Jerking off to hentai all day with your ugly ass, man. Bobby, you need to go get a fucking job or something, man. I'm about to kick you out of the house.